0: Welcome to Live and Learn, a production of the Honors Program at the University of Connecticut. I'm Danielle Shalhou, and this is episode one. This week is Suicide Prevention Week. There are a variety of events happening all over campus. Visit suicideprevention.uconn.edu for more information. Swing by the Conover Auditorium at the Dodd Center until 2 p.m. on Monday to hear from 2017's Holster Scholars about their research. The Fall 2017 STEM Career Fair is Tuesday and Wednesday from 11 a.m. to 3 p.m. on the third floor of the Student Union. A list of employers can be found on the Center for Career Development's website, career.ucon.edu. The Honors Faculty Member of the Year Award recognizes and thanks a teaching faculty or staff member who has made outstanding contributions to the Honors Program and exceeded their job expectations in providing exceptional educational experiences to Honors students.
1: My name is Elena Brennick and I was the Honors Faculty Member of the Year. Um, I'm an assistant professor in human development and family studies. I'm going to talk about kind of the broad overview of my research. Um, The title of my talk is Growing Into and Out of Peace and Tolerance, The Need for a Developmental Understanding of Intergroup Relations and Victimization. If you couldn't
0: make it to the last lecture on September 13th, here's what you missed.
1: Are four-year-olds really racist? Adolescents might say something like, on Wednesdays, we wear pink and thus if you're not wearing pink, you will be excluded. Some Mean Girls reference for any of you who didn't catch that. Dr. Brennick spoke at length about her research in the Middle East and the work she's done with Israeli and Arabic Sesame Street. In work that I did in the Mideast with Arab and Israeli children, I was able to find that by preschool age, children in the Mideast demonstrate a negativity towards the other that is extreme and polarizing. I don't know how many of you spend time with three and a half, four-year-old, five-year-olds right now, right? But if you can think about that and think about hearing these words come out of their mouth, they're godless, they wanna kill us, they bomb our streets, they're terrorists. So we've got some clear indication that there is some parroting going on, right? They learn these words from the adults in their society, but here's the thing, right? Those young kids, they had these negative attitudes. But when we asked those same preschool-aged children in the mid to evaluate situations of intergroup exclusion, so we would show them these pictures, right, and we would say, oh, this picture of the girls on the swing. The girl who's standing off to the right, she comes from a different country. Those children who said that those outgroups were godless, that they bombed their streets, that they were terrorists, they didn't apply those polarizing, extreme negative stereotypes. They just parroted them. They hadn't internalized them. They have a basic understanding of the labels, of the categorizations associated with these groups, but they don't understand what that's supposed to mean in terms of how they interact with these groups. They would say things like, it doesn't matter if he's an Arab, you can get to know him and become his friend. Because we should be friendly to everybody and not refuse playing with them. It doesn't matter where she's from. So a few minutes before they're talking about these individuals being godless bombers and now they're saying we can all be friends. How do we promote this pro-sociality and prevent those negative stereotypes from developing? Right? Because we know when those negative stereotypes develop that leads to violence, that leads to conflict, that leads to discrimination, that leads to structural inequality. So we spent some time working with Sesame Street and it was awesome, mm-hmm. right? Sesame Street is amazing. Um, Sesame Street is across the world, um, and there are Muppets and different programs that are specific to the needs of the children in those areas. These are the Muppets, like we would have Elmo, and Big Bird, and Snuffleupagus, and Cookie Monster. Instead, we have Daffy, and Hanin, and Jewel Jewel, and Tauntaun, um, who are the Muppets on the Palestinian uh, Jordanian and Israeli Sesame Streets. what they decided the creators of Sesame Street was that they needed to have some sort of program that promoted positive messages about the groups about both groups so that both Arab and Israeli children could see positive represent- representations of themselves in the media that they weren't inundated with, they're supposed to be involved in conflict, they're supposed to hate each other, right? But also to promote the understanding of the outgroup. So the first study that we did was with crossover episodes. So these crossover episodes were actually bilingual, bicultural um, episodes where the Muppets from the Palestinian street would come over to the Israeli Jewish street And the Muppets from the Israeli Jewish Street would go over to the Palestinian Sesame Street and they would have interactions. And it might be something like, now mind you, the, the Muppets are the age of the children watching. So they're about four years old, right? So they only speak their native language, so they can't communicate with each other. But they're there, they come up, and they see an adult, and they see this other Muppet, and they're making sandwiches. Like, what's that? What are you eating? And the other muppet says, in the other language, I'm eating falafel. But this muppet doesn't understand that, right? They speak a different language. So they're interacting through this adult and they find out, oh, that's what you call falafel? I call falafel this. I like falafel. You like falafel? We both like falafel. Simple as that, right? Everybody likes falafel. <laughs> Everybody likes falafel. So they have these crossover episodes. And it's representing this contact across groups that they might not have in their own lives, but they're seeing Muppets who they relate to engage with the out group, right? They're learning about the out group. They're learning about the similarities, and they're seeing that there can be positive contact between these groups. When we followed up, after running this series, we were able to find that the attitudes about the outgroup, relations with the outgroup became more positive after viewing these programs.
0: We're into the swing of the semester now, and homework and midterms are real. Let's hear from the Academic Achievement Center on some of the resources they offer to help you succeed.
2: So hi, I'm uh, Leo Latchin. I'm the Director of Academic Support and also Assistant Director of First-Year Programs and Learning Communities.
3: Hi, I'm Sloan Krauss hanley and I'm the Learning Services Coordinator in First-Year Programming and Learning Communities, specifically in the Academic Achievement Center.
2: A great way for us to explain it is we, we don't teach you calculus, but we can teach you how to be successful in a calculus class. We help students put the pieces together. Maybe they work with their advisor and their parents and their friends and, and figure out how, as an individual, they'll be successful at UConn.
3: There's also a program, UConn Connects, which any student can sign up for, and that's a great way to be held accountable by someone, whether it's another student or a faculty or staff member on campus, someone like us potentially. It's a great way to actually be held accountable to see if you're keeping up with your work. When it comes to procrastination, it's all about figuring out what time you have to do things, and it shouldn't be left to the night before. So managing your time effectively is really important. But you can do it all. You can have fun. You can be an intramural sport. You can be in a club. You can do whatever you want to do and do your academics on time. And we can help you figure that out if you need some help.
0: So can you speak a little bit to the Connects program? What is that?
3: Um,
2: I often compare it to if you were working here and your niece or nephew were at UConn and they were struggling, what would you do? You'd probably meet with them on a weekly basis and help them network across campus. So these, we have about 104 right now volunteers, faculty and staff, who take on a mentor each semester, uh, a mentee, rather, (laughs) and and they work one-on-one over the course of the semester. Maybe they need time management. Maybe they just need someone to talk to once a week and and check in with. Maybe they, they need resources. So whatever that person needs.
0: And so how would a student access these resources?
3: Yeah. So we're in the row building, which if you don't know where that is, if you're facing the library, the main entrance, turn around. We're across the seal. And we're in room 217. So you can come in. We're we have walk-in hours. Like we're there for you every weekday. So Monday through Thursday it's 9 a.m to 7 p.m. And then Friday is 9 a.m. until 4 p.m. to just walk in and sit down with someone.
0: And so what does, when you walk into that meeting, what does that kind of look like?
2: We really try to treat the student as, as an individual to say, why aren't you getting the grades you want? Why don't you feel you're being successful? Why aren't you feeling you're getting what you want out of your UConn experience? So say, I'm taking this class, I'm not really getting the grade I want, or I, I want to know how would I best prepare for this class, and, and the coaches can help with that.
0: What do you see as the most common issue or or concern that students come in with?
3: I feel like it varies throughout the year and throughout the semester, really. Like right now, we're seeing a lot of time management and study skills because first exams are coming up or they already happened. I think it varies. What do you think, Leo?
2: Absolutely, it's 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 seasonal. So mm-hmm. after the first round of exams, um, but then uh, oftentimes we'll have a student who has a strong GPA, but they're trying to move to one of our professional schools. So they have GPA requirements and they're trying, how would I best strategically set myself up to achieve a GPA that would get me into a professional school? So we'll have appointments that are based on that. Um, or my ultimate goal is a graduate program or a medical school and we can help students be strategic in, in helping them lay that out. And we work collaboratively, collaboratively all across campus with mm-hmm. advising centers and all the different resources as well to help them network to what they need.
0: Of the resources that are on campus, what's mm-hmm. some, what are some of the hidden gems that you send students to?
2: First of all, it would be our center, number one, in the fact that many people feel that the only reason they would go to the, our center is if they're failing. Mm-hmm. We always tell people, um, if you have a 3.9 or a point .9, you, we, we mm-hmm. probably can help you navigate UConn.
0: If you're interested in learning more or in becoming a mentor, visit achieve.uconn.edu. That's all for this week. To enter to win honors program swag, visit honors.ukon.edu slash podcast, where the code word is Popsicle. We'll be talking with Dr. Brennick in the studio next week. So if you have questions, please send them in at honors.ukon.edu slash podcast. Until then, I'll leave you with these words from Nelson Mandela.
1: He said that no one is born hating another person because of the color of his skin or his background or his religion. People must learn to hate, and if they can learn to hate, they can be taught to love, for love comes more naturally to the human heart than its opposite.